Thanks so much. Okay, I'm gonna give you a little mom hack for trunk or treat, okay? Because I have four children and I hate candy. Like, I have four children, right? Like, it's crazy when all of them are eating candy and we have allergies and it's just like a whole thing. So here's your, here's your tip. You're gonna take all of that candy and you're gonna tell your children, this is not for you. This is for the kids that are coming to trick or treat on Halloween. You spend zero money then, zero, right? Like I'm not going out, I don't understand this. I'm buying candy to give out candy for my children to come home with candy. This makes no sense to me. And it's like, have you looked? I just looked at Costco, it's like 30 bucks for a bag of candy. I'm like, no, we are not doing that. All four of you are going to walk around the trunk or treat and get as much candy as possible. And then you're going to come home and we're going to put it in a bowl for all the other children in the neighborhood. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. So now there's no excuse not to come, right? Like free candy to hand out to all the neighbors and it'll look really great because it's like the nice candy, right? Like it's not, you're not getting the Smarties, you're getting the chocolate, really nice stuff. You'll be known as that house in the neighborhood. So just wanted to, just had to say that. I have one more announcement and then I promise we'll get into the message next Sunday night. October 29th at 5 p.m. here in the Worship Center, we are going to be doing a night of prayer for Israel. And um, yes, we should cheer for that. There's a lot right now. That's pretty disgusting, right? But like, ugh, I just like, I can't get past the, the things that are being said about Israel, the nation, and the Jewish people. And so we need to come together and we need to support them and pray for them. There is power in our prayers and we need to come together as one body and our church stands with Israel. Like if that, if there's a there's probably a few things that Jubilee is known for, but being, uh, having a heart for Israel is one of the biggest things that this church wants to be known for. And so next Sunday night at 5 p.m., we're gonna meet here and we're gonna come together and we're gonna pray for Israel. There is no childcare provided, but you know, part of me encourages you, if your children are mature enough to come to that, they should come. They should pray for Israel too. We've, like our children, we just took our son Ezra, who's eight, to Israel in August. And we, not the graphic detailed stuff, but he knows what's going on right now in Israel because I want him to pray for Israel. In fact, we have, he had, he got to take a picture with these um military men while we were there and I sh we, sh we look at it and we pray for those three specific men every single day just that the Lord would be with them and bless them and I want our son to have a heart for Israel and to not be confused like the world is really good at getting us to turn against the Jewish people and so that's what we're going to do next Sunday night and I encourage you take the time I know your schedules are busy but come be a part of that come pray for Israel and 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 Watch what God can do. God, God wants our prayers. God wants to work with us. God wants us to cry out to him. So next Sunday night, we are starting a new series today and it is called Up All Night. I was just joking with my sister. I was like, this is like, is it about, is it a sex series? I don't know. No, it's not. It's not. Okay. It's, it's about the struggles of sleeping. So get your mind out of the gutter. That's not where we're going tonight. Um, raise your hand if you struggled with sleep in your life. I'm going to guess 98% of this room. And for those who didn't raise your hand, you're probably under the age of 20 is my, 
is my guess. <laughs> um, it is a struggle that honestly, I think we all go through at one point in our life, right? This is something I, and I don't think it's happenstance. I think the enemy attacks us in our sleep. Because here's the thing. If you go and you look at the Bible over and over and over again, God gives us the blessing of sleep. Like this is a blessing that he has given us to our life here on earth, the ability to be able to sleep. He designed our bodies to need sleep, not just to want sleep. You will die without sleep. If you didn't know that, you will literally die if you don't sleep for, is it three days, right? Is it 72 hours? Is that, how long is it? It's a while, guys, okay? It's, it's like you start going, is it you go crazy? I don't know. I need to look this up. You go crazy, but then you do eventually die. Your brain needs to reset. You need to sleep. You need that in your life. And so that then would lead the enemy to want to attack us in that, right? This is something that God designed us for, something that we need, and it's a blessing. It says his mercies are new every Ah. So there's something about going to sleep at night and waking up refreshed and being able to take on the day and take on all that the Lord has for us. But part of that is being able to be rested to do the things that the Lord has set out for us to do. And so I fully believe that the enemy loves to attack sleep. And it's the reason, though, that the Bible, though, gives us that blessing. It is. It's a promise for you. If you are not sleeping good, can I just, like, speak right now to you? That's not what the Lord has for you. That's not the promise he has for you. He wants you to sleep, right? Like Psalm 23, he leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down. If you're lying down, my assumption is you're going to sleep, Right? He wants that. He, he, it's his blessing for us. In Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, it says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He will give us rest. He wants us to be rested. He wants us to feel refreshed and ready to go. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find twice in one scripture, you will find rest for your souls. If our physical bodies are not rested, our souls are not going to be rested. You are not just a body. You are not just a soul and you are not just a mind. You have all three and all three work together. And when one is burdened and when one is weary, it really begins to play on the other two, right? If your body is tired, does it not impact your mind and the way you think? Most fights JJ and I have are after our children have been up 5,000 times in the night and we wake up and we're both really irritable, right? Any other parent? Yeah? Those are the days that we fight. Like, like how many times can your daughter need water in one night? Like, where is this all going in your body? Where is it going? Like, I don't, you're 25 pounds. How? How can you drink this much water? And then it causes tension because I'm not in my right mind. They impact one another. But Jesus is saying right here, hey, come to me. Come and find rest. And he doesn't specify like just spiritually. This is physical too. This is mental. Come to me, all who are weary. Are you physically weary? Are you burdened? Come to him and you will find rest. Is your soul heavy? Come to him and you will find rest. His desire is for us to be a rested church, 
not a worn out church. And this is really, I, I just think this is such an easy thing to gloss over. We glamorize in our society people who work from Sunday to Sunday without any rest. The harder you work, the longer hours, the less time you spend with your family, the more you do and the less you rest, the better you're priced. Right? It's, this, it's like, oh, I worked all night. Like I, I, I went to work, I came home, I took my kids to sports, which I do every night it feels like. I get back home, I answer emails, I go to bed, but I don't really go to bed. I'm on my phone and then I'm looking at my emails and then I'm looking at the news and all the other things that are going on and I am not resting. And I feel like that was really productive. But here's the thing, God rested. <laughs> God literally, he himself, rested. And I don't think it's because he needed to rest, right? He did it to set an example for us to rest. For us to understand we need to rest. Because if we don't, things will happen that are not good for us. According to the CDC, which, do we trust the CDC? I'm not sure, but according to the CDC, we're going to trust them on this one. One in three adults do not get enough sleep each day. So 33% on any given day. But here's this statistic that is, we have 330 million people that live in our country, right? 50 to 70 million Americans have chronic. So this isn't just like a one-time thing, chronic ongoing sleep disorders, 50 to 70 million Americans. That's a staggering number, right? And sleep deficiency can lead to physical and mental health problems. I'll say this. I, I, I was really struggling this week putting this message together, which isn't usually, I don't usually struggle when I put messages together. I don't mean that in a braggy way. They just usually come really easily to me. I'm able to write them in 30 minutes. In fact, JJ like took the kids and came back. He's like, are you done? And I was like, no, no, I'm not done. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I was struggling because I think this idea of sleep, it's not just sleep that we're talking about tonight and rest. I think it's more, I think there's a bigger picture. I think anxiety and depression are highly correlated to sleep. And I think if you, I, I know, like, I, let me say it like this. Most people I know who struggle with anxiety also struggle with sleep at night. And maybe even more so, they're plagued even more in the night than during the day with their anxiety. And then we turn to a bunch of other things, right? We're not, we don't go after that. We go after, like the enemy is really good at getting us to go after the offshoots. And to, to begin to just get us distracted because he wants us distracted. Because when we don't sleep, we become weary. And he wants us weary. The enemy uses lack of sleep as a tool in his schemes. So today I want to talk about what happens to a sleepless people. I think it's really important. And just hear this. This is not a condemning message, okay? Like I, I get it. I have, I have gone through a season of 
I mean, you saw this entire room. You're, you're not alone in this struggle. And this isn't like, shame on you for not being able to sleep. No, let's open our eyes because the enemy is after your soul and after your mind and after your body. And I think we can find freedom. I believe the thing that the Lord just kept speaking over and over to me today for you is this, that my prayer is that you walk out of here a little bit freer than you walked in. That you walk out of here a little bit freer than you walked in. And so here's what happens to sleepless people. The first one is this. We become groggy, right? You don't get sleep and you're really groggy. When we are lacking sleep, it is so easy not to see the world clearly and to make decisions based off of that. I think some of the worst decisions I've made in life have been after times of not sleeping very well. Are you with me? Can we be real tonight, right? I think some of the worst fights JJ and I have had are after sleepless nights. I think I have been a lesser mother nights after I haven't slept well. And if it's more than one night, right? Like, let's compile this. It's, it's night after night after night after night. I was thinking of it like this. I think there are so many people who become so used to suffering that they think it's normal to operate out of that grogginess. It's like people who need glasses, which I... If I need glasses, okay? Like, I know I need glasses, and I just refuse to go get glasses. Like, I just literally refuse it. And I'm pretty sure I'd see better, but I've become so used to how everything looks to me in my vision. But if I were to put real glasses on that were a, made for my eyes, I bet I could see further away. But I think we do this when we live off of that weariness and this isn't just sleep. This is rest too, right? This is creating that margin in your life. My mom always told me, this was the best advice she gave me before having kids, is she could handle anything that came during the day. Anything. As long as she had a good night's sleep. And I think that is so true. I, I feel like I can handle anything that comes my way. Any, any problem, anything, like no problem, as long as I've slept the night before. Because I can see clearly. I can see the bigger picture in it. I can make decisions based with clarity and not the emotionalness that comes with being in that groggy state. I almost picture it, it's like um, zombies, right? Like we walk around awake and yet asleep. And I think there, our culture right now, this is this, this, if you walk, is all you see. It's just this uh, generation awake and yet asleep. We can't turn off. We don't turn off. JJ and I always, before we got married, we made the decision that we weren't going to have a TV in our bedroom. Also, I was thinking about this, and I was like, I don't know how to make that not sound like, like we wanted to not have a TV, but it really was just to, like, hang out in, like, an actual platon, like, hang out and, like, talk to one another. So we were like, we won't have a TV. 
But uh, phones over time have become really great at just becoming TVs, right? And we find ourselves pretty much every night on our own phones, like completely zoned into what each one of us wants to do. And we're not turning off. And then you go to bed. And then we wonder, like, why, why is it so hard to sleep? I don't know, because I probably just watched buildings get blown up right as I'm going to bed. Like, that's just, that's a great way to find rest. And then immediately, what do you do the first thing in the morning? You grab your phone. What have I missed overnight? And we're not creating any margin in our life to detach, to pull away, and to find rest with the Lord. We are always on. And I get it. It's hard in this day and age to, to be able to go away. But if you don't do that, if you're unable, let me say it like this. If you're unable to go and find quiet time with the Lord without your music, without your phone, without your iPad, that's an issue. And I'm not saying that for every time, but the Lord sometimes desires us in that actual quiet place. He wants it quiet. He speaks in the quiet. And it's so easy to go, okay, after five minutes, you didn't talk, so mm, probably time to move on to the next part and to the, like we fill our days and we fill our time and we fill our schedule without creating margin. And by the time we go to bed and by the time, it's like a thousand things have happened. We haven't had time to process it and we're going to get up and we're going to do the, it all over again. Right? And that's not the life the Lord has for us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He wants us rested. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be alert and, uh, and of sober mind. I think the, the Kate translation of that would be, Be awake and not groggy. Be awake when you're awake. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. When you are not thinking clearly, it's really easy for him to devour you easier. Right? And if it's compounded, like if you continue to add upon that, you know, it's easy to make up for one night of sleep, okay? But I think most people who struggle with sleep, it's not a one-time thing, is it? And it gets worse you're depleted, and then you just live off the depletion. But the Lord is saying right here, this is, a, this is a directive to us. You need to be alert. You need to be awake. You need to be ready. I think part of why it's so important and why he commands us, it's not a, um, I mean, if you look in the Jewish culture, like this is, a, this is a law. This is not optional. Rest is a law for them. And here's why. He wants you alert and he wants you awake. You're far better of use to the kingdom with one day of rest in your life and awake all the rest of it, right? Ready to go, then kind of always down here in that zombie state of mind, in that grogginess. Charles Spurgeon says this. He's a hard hitter, isn't he? <laughs> Satan can never be content till he sees the believer utterly devoured. 
He would rend him in pieces and break his bones and utterly destroy him if he could. Do not therefore indulge the thought that the main purpose of Satan is to make you miserable. That is not his main purpose. He is pleased with that, but that is not his ultimate end. Sometimes, listen to this, sometimes he may even make you happy, for he hath dainty poisons, sweet to the taste, which he administers to God's people. If he feels that our destruction can be more readily achieved by sweets than by bitters, he certainly would prefer that which would best affect his end. He does not care how he devours you so long as you're devoured. And I think sometimes we think, okay, like just go with me for a second. We look at our life and we look at these other people and we see the success and we measure it from this outside point of view and we don't realize that that sweetness without the rest, without the Holy Spirit leading us, without God in our life, it is slowly devouring them. He does not care which way it comes, whether through bitterness or sweetness. It does not matter. That's why we lean into the Bible and to the directive that it has for us, because all the enemy wants to do is devour you in any way he can do it. So heed the word of the Lord. Heed the word of the Lord. The second thing is this. Asleep as people, we become numb. Psalm 38, 6 through 8 says this, I am dazed and completely humiliated. All day long I walk around in mourning, for I am overcome with shame and my whole body is sick. I am numb with pain and severely battered. I groan loudly because of the anxiety I feel. You ever been in that place? I listened to um, a message this last week. It's good for pastors to get to hear other pastors preach and to also be fed. I think that's a responsibility that I should have if I'm up here is also me growing and learning. And so I was listening to um, a message and the pastor was talking about the, when pastors come up on stage and it's so true. I don't know necessarily here, but I think Pastors love to be vulnerable about things that happened like 15 years ago in their life, right? Like, I struggled when I was 17 years old, and God set me free. And yet are never transparent with the struggles that are going on right now in their life. And I think what, I was listening to that, and I was like, oh, that's such a disservice to the people, because I think what it makes us feel like when we're sitting in a chair listening to a message is that person doesn't struggle the way I'm struggling. And it like dissociates us from one another. But like, here's the truth. We all struggle, right? And maybe today you're struggling with pride and I'm struggling with anxiety. And maybe today you're struggling with addiction and I'm struggling with anger. And, and I don't know, right? But we all struggle, including the pastors who are up on a stage teaching. The only teacher that was ever perfect is Jesus. And we all fall short of his glory. So I'm going to be really um, transparent and vulnerable because I think it can bring hope to you and to your situation. So uh, three years ago, 2020, not a good year. You remember that year? 
guys, you know. JJ, can you tie my shoe? This is driving me nuts. I, <laughs> this is what husbands are for, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna fall. I'm gonna trip and fall because my shoe is not tied. <laughs> um, so uh, COVID was not bad for me. In fact, I was like, this is great. I spend all my time at home with my kids. And it was, I thought that part of it was awesome. But then here's what I think happened for a lot of people in COVID is you, we, we were forced to rest. And I think a lot of times why we don't rest is because it reveals a place in our heart that we're not fully comfortable with, right? And we want to numb ourselves to the pain of what we're feeling. And rest, rest doesn't allow for that. It's why I think probably most times when we lay our heads down on our pillow, that's when the enemy loves to come in and to begin to speak to us. Because it's like a time that we um, can't drown out the noise. In this day and age, there is every opportunity to drown out the noise at all times of the day. I think I have noise going on all day long. My Amazon Alexa is on. There's music in my car is on. The kids are on. Can I turn them down? So three years ago, I don't, uh, I don't usually struggle with anxiety and depression. That's not... I struggle with other things, right? But usually that's not something I've struggled with in my life. I'm usually pretty happy and pretty easygoing and just kind of like, yeah, it'll all work out. That's kind of my, my personality. But three years ago, I don't know if it was COVID and just the realization that like we're not invincible, but I, um, the enemy came in and spoke a lie to me and like church, it, it wrecked m my life. Like I, I, uh, the best time of day for me was when I was sleeping because I didn't have to think. Okay. Like I, I, I woke up sad cause like my thoughts immediately started. And if you deal with anxiety, like I'm sorry, cause that is hard. And like the thing I just kept telling JJ and the Lord was just like, I just hate being inside of here. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like inside your head is the worst place to be. And it won't stop and it won't turn off and it won't. And like, I just, all I wanted to do was numb the pain. Have you been there? And, and nighttime was like the worst because I didn't have distraction. Craig Rochelle says it like this, and it, oh, this hits hard. But he said, the place you fear and have the most anxiety is usually the place you have the least amount of faith and trust in God. And instead of running after that, what we like to do is we want to numb that. And so it wasn't like, I don't struggle, struggle with sleep. I, I just wanted to fall asleep. Like I didn't want this to be on. So I started taking sleeping pills. Can I be real like that? Can we do that? And like, yes, they were, I took the right amount and I didn't, I wasn't irresponsible with them. But I simply took them to numb what was going on in here. Because I didn't want to feel. But like, oh, church, 
It is so on purpose that the enemy would put us in a place of numbness because he would rather us be numb than to feel it all. Because if we feel the Lord can come in and can speak to that and can get in there and can move things around and can speak truth into it. But the numbness, that hardness, oh, it's really hard because you don't want to feel anything, including things from the Lord. And so I'm going through this and I'm struggling with this. And I, I go into, our daughter was one at the time. I go into her room. It's in the middle of the night and I'm groggy. And I'm, I just felt like I, uh, it's like this. You wake up and you go to sleep. And in between that, you're like, what happened? What did I do today? And when you struggle with anxiety, that's honestly like, that's best case scenario for you. You think. Because it's hard to feel. And I think I'm speaking to someone right now. You are not alone. And God has not forsaken you. And the thing the Lord would speak to me in that time is it's not always going to be this way. It's not always going to be this way. So I go into my daughter's room and I'm sitting there. It's the middle of the night. And the Lord begins to speak that exact thing of like, you aren't trusting me. And I'm holding my, my little girl and I'm singing to her. And the Lord, he speaks this really gentle thing to me. He goes, the way you love her, the way you care for her, oh, that's how I want to care for you. You're so worried about all these things, but I've already spoken the truth in it. I've already given you the answer. Faith and fear are the same thing. They're just in opposite directions. Like you either have faith that God is who he says he is, and, and both are about the future. Both are about what hasn't come to pass. And fear is the opposite of it. I don't really believe and trust that you have this in my life. And I think the less we sleep and the less we rest, we think, oh, if I just fill it up and the less I sleep, the better I become. No, it's actually quite the opposite. In that rest and in that time, when I'm sitting in my daughter's room and I'm finally forced to talk with the Lord, it's where I find my rest. Because back to Matthew 28, come to me all who are, oh, who are weary, and I will give you rest. He wants to bring rest to you. He wants to restore you. He wants to bring hope. He wants you to walk out of here a little bit freer than you walked in. And then the third point is this. We become tempted. I know that's not comfortable, right? Like, oh, we don't want to be exposed. And, and I just, before I get into this, like, let me just say this. Feeling horrible about yourself for the sin, that's not Jesus. And that's not how he operates. That's the enemy. Because you know what conviction does? It wants us and it allows us to bring things to light with a glad spirit. 
Like, like conviction and repentance is the thing that's like, I don't want to hold on to this anymore because I've seen the light and I've tasted you and I want to let it go. Anything that wants to pull you back into darkness, anything that shames you is not from the Lord. The Lord does not shame us. The Lord does not shame us. And I just felt like, you know what? Why else are you in church? This is where you should come to be set free. This is where that sin should be exposed. Not to condemn you, not to shame you, but to set you free. That's why the church was created. That's what Jesus wants out of all of us, coming together and worshiping him and celebrating that you can walk out of here freer. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so as I go into this, please hear my heart. My heart is not to shame you. My heart is not to embarrass you. The Lord's heart is not to shame you. The Lord's heart is not to embarrass you. The Lord's heart for you is that you can find freedom that you can live in the light, that you can enjoy your life, that you can sleep at night and that you can sleep restfully. But if we walk around groggy and if we walk around numb, that numbness starts to bleed into like, I just want to feel something. And that Charles Spurgeon quote, oh, you know what the enemy does? He entices us with things that look sweet on the outside, but really kill us on the inside. At night, in complete isolation, it is so easy to fall into temptation or the vices that grip us. So maybe for you it's alcohol, right? Your family's asleep or you live alone. I have a friend who struggles with this. It would always come at nighttime. He'd get through the day and do so good and do his job and, and function. But that, the second the sun started setting, oh, it's really easy to pick up the bottle. And in your mind, it's like, no one sees this. I can hide this. I can function at work. I can function with my family. But what's on the inside feels so bad, and this feels so good. It's not freedom. It's not freedom. That's not life, that's death. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's porn. You know the most popular time to watch porn? You know what time of day it is? It's midnight, 10 to, 10 to 12, but midnight specifically, in the middle of the night. Right? When people aren't sleeping, when they're having a hard time, it's the easiest time. The enemy comes in, in that quiet, dark room, and begins to speak. Maybe it's the thoughts you think about yourself. You're laying there in your bed, and you just begin to condemn yourself. I'm nothing. My life wouldn't matter. No one would miss me if I'm gone. Oh, in the night when it's silent and it's quiet and we're isolated and we can't pick up our phone and we can't turn on the music and we can't turn on the TV, 
And this starts going. It's not rest and it's not freedom. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13 says this. Here's our hope, right? So if you think you are standing firm. So this is talking to believers, okay? This is for all of us. If you think you are standing firm, be careful. All of us are susceptible to fall into some type of temptation. Be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Let me preach for a second. The lie that the enemy keeps in us to keep us from stepping into the light is to convince you that your sin is greater than everyone else's sin. Even if, like, we convince ourselves, even if it's the same struggle, if it's alcoholism, or if it's drugs, or if it's porn, or if it's anger, or if it's whatever, for you fill in the blank, right? You convince yourself, the enemy comes in and spreads the lie, your struggle is worse than that person sitting next to you. You are the one that Jesus couldn't forgive. You're the one who's trapped. You're the one who will never get out of this. You're the one who can't escape. So why even try? Just keep living in the sin. Oh, no, no. God tells us right here. It's not uncommon what you're struggling with. And I mean this in a loving way. You're not special. (laughs) But you're not. And then this, and God is faithful. You may fall short a thousand times over. For the rest of your life, you will sin. And God is faithful. It is not us who brings our own salvation. It is him. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You know what I find in that? Even if I'm struggling, please hear this. Even if you're struggling tonight, even if you feel like oh, tonight it's gonna, I'm going to go home and it's going to be the same thing. You know what? The Bible tells us that God will not tempt you with something you can't handle. You can get past the addiction. You can get past the temptation. You can. God is with you. God is for you. And whatever the enemy has planned, oh, rest assured, Jesus already dealt with it on the cross. He already died for it. Don't let the enemy convince you that because you've struggled for the last 100 days or however long, that tonight can't be different. Tonight can be different. Tonight can be different. Change is possible. Change is capable. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. It's right there. right from, That's not my words. It's from the Bible. It's from the word of God. It's a promise for you. You can endure the temptation. You can. You can. Don't let the enemy convince you otherwise. There is freedom for you. There is freedom for you. So as I come to the close of this, 
I think I was, I was, this probably was why I was struggling with this message so much is like, okay, what do you do with all that? Right? Like, that's awesome. Go see you later. <laughs> why does the enemy want us to struggle with sleep? Like what, like what is the impact of all of this? Like what's his goal? I mean, yes, he wants all of these things, but why? And so this week, um, JJ and I got to go to, uh, a live recording. I keep struggling with these words. Our friend Corey, who works at Red Rocks, he's one of the worship pastors there. He's releasing um, an album. And so we got to go to this, his live recording of it. And when it comes out, you guys should listen to it. It's, it was just really powerful, but like, it was just a special like night between me and the Lord. And I haven't had one of those for a long time. Because you know what we do is we just go through the motions of life, including our walk with the Lord. And it just becomes like super rote. And I just have found myself in that place. And so Corey is talking and he's like talking about the church needs to wake up. And he's like snapping, wake up, wake up. And I'm like laying there, like on my knees, like raising my hands. And I'm like, yes, yes, this is what needs to happen. Like thinking of all, all of you. You all need to wake up. <laughs> oh, and the Lord, in his like kindness, is like, you need to wake up. Spiritually, you need to wake up. And he gave me this word. A people awake physically, a people restless physically, become a people asleep spiritually. He wants to cause you to be sleepless physically and to struggle with that because then he can distract you spiritually to fall into a sleep. And I'm just at this worship night and I'm just like, just like unbelievably humbled. And he brings me to Revelation 3, 1 through 3, and it says this, To the angel of, of Messiah's community in Sardis writes, Thus says the one, having the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. And in like the most loving way, I felt like the Lord was just like, you go through all the motions and you have all the deeds and you work at a church, but inside you have lost that first love of what you and I were like when you first met me. Wake up and strengthen what remains that was about to die. I love this version because there's hope in that. He's not saying it's dead. He's saying, wake up so you can strengthen the thing I've called you to. It's not dead. It's dying. But go back to it. Return to the thing he's called you to. Wake up. Find rest in him so you can be awake when you're supposed to be awake. So that you can fight the good fight. So that you can stand. So that you can combat the enemy. Wake up and strengthen what remains that was about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Oh, that convicted me. You've called me to things of Jesus and I have let them fall at the wayside in the excuse that life is just hard. Wake up, wake up. 
So remember what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. You know the 10 virgins? They all had to sleep. But half of them were prepared. I know this is like kind of a, a random ending of talking about sleeping and then my ending is waking up. But I just, oh, this is like burning on my heart right now. That the church has to wake up that the church has to wake up. We're seeing these atrocities happening all over the world. And we're like, oh, that's really sad. Oh, we should burn for that. Wake up. Wake up, you who are asleep. Wake up. Do not allow him to come like a thief in the night. Do not be so tired. Do not be so physically worn out and unrested that you miss what he's doing. He is on the move and you will miss him. And he will move his church where he wants his church to go. Do not miss him. Do not miss where he's going. Wake up. Wake up. Our church, the church is meant to be alive. It's meant to be thriving. It's meant to stand out. It's meant to be that city on a hill. Wake up. We can't afford anymore to sleep. So I have two things I want to pray for tonight. And then I'll be done. So if you would close your eyes, bow your heads. The first one is this. I want to pray for freedom if you struggle with sleep. Like if this is a plague in your life, like you are exhausted and every night is a new battle for you, whether that be because of anxiety, because it's hard to sleep, hard to stay asleep. Would you raise your hand? Yep. All over. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I felt this this entire week I've been praying for you. I pray that the peace that surpasses all understanding would come and fill your bedroom tonight would come and deliver you from the plague that the enemy has placed on you. The Bible has promised us freedom in sleep. Psalm 91 says that the, that the pestilence that stalks at nighttime will not touch you. So we declare that, that the enemy that comes in the night will not touch you. In the name of Jesus, you have no power over these people. You have no power. No weapon formed against you will prosper. I pray freedom that you would walk out of this room a little bit freer. That you would find deliverance. That you would lay your head down tonight to rest. And that you would find yourself waking up in the morning to a full night of sleep. In the name of Jesus. You are free. You are free. You are free. He came to set you free, and nothing is too small for him, including your sleep. So be freed to sleep tonight. Be freed to rest tonight so that you can get up tomorrow and wake up and do the work of the Lord. And we thank you for that. And then 
in, in humility and in vulnerability, I just felt like the Lord wanted just this charge to just wake up. And maybe you find yourself like me in that place where you just like, you love Jesus and you're walking through the motions, but oh, he's calling you to wake up, to return back to the first love, to return to the thing he's called you to all along. And if life has gotten in the way or things have gotten in the way or you've just become numb, would you raise your hand if you just need that wake up all over? I thank you for your obedience in that and your vulnerability in that. Father, I just pray right now Oh, that you would wake us all up, Jesus. That you would wake us up to your work and to what you want to do, Father God. That you want to use us. That you want to be with us. That you want to dwell with us, Father God. But that you want to do something in your church. That there's a dying world right now. And you want to use your church. So I pray right now, would you wake up this church? Would you wake up Jubilee? Would you wake up the people? Oh, would you wake up the people in this room? I feel him doing something right now. I feel him stirring something right now. Let him stir you. Let him wake you up. Wake up, oh sleeper. Wake up, oh sleeper. Return to your first love. Return to the thing he's called you to. Don't let the things of this world pull you down. Don't let the distractions of this world pull you down. Don't let discouragement pull you down. Wake up. Wake up right now in the name of Jesus. Breathe fresh life, fresh wind on these people. I just thank you for that, Father. I just pray you would have all these things, seal all of them in your name. Be free, church. Walk out of here a little bit lighter and a little bit freer. In the name of Jesus, amen.